This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Shake Them Ropes, Jeff Hawkins, Chris Novembrino. Uh, Chris, you're officially off the hook if you want to be, because WrestleMania has been taped. It is in the can, so to speak. It, there is a WrestleMania of sorts, but this is not... I mean... There, there's a thing that they're calling WrestleMania, but, but is this truly WrestleMania? We will answer this philosophical question today on this episode of Shake Them Ropes, this very special episode of Shake Them Ropes. Play the inspirational music. Take it over, Jeff. Yes, it's it's time for the Chris Novembrino exit interview for Voices of Wrestling. Uh, Rich wants me to tell you to bring in your employee handbook, uh, your employee ID, your parking pass, if you will, and uh, and uh, and 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 meet at Human Resources at 1 p.m. with all your stuff together. <laughs> I'm used to this. Normally, these meetings occur on Fridays, though, from my experience. Yes, we want to do it right before the weekend so that people have time to cool off. Uh, yeah, so WrestleMania has been taped. I do not know the spoilers. I will not spoil any matches for you. But uh, how do they put it? Card is subject to change. We do have some replacements on here. And that will be worth talking about. So if you just want to be surprised by all the replacements in the matches, you may want to fast forward a bit, but otherwise we're going to go on about our nonsense this week. We're going to talk a little AEW, I think. I think we're going to talk what was good on WWE television. I want to bring up something, though, uh, relevant to that, Chris, because I really liked the Randy Orton promo. I think it was probably the best thing that was on TV this week in terms of actual wrestling content. And here's why I like intelligent wrestling discussion. And I, I, I pose this to you as possibly a generational thing. Todd Martin, friend of the show, former guest of Shake Them Ropes over on the torch said that he really didn't like a lot about how the Randy Orton promo was edited with all the flashbacks and stuff like that because he believes that wrestling shows as they are today are really live sports events and it takes them out of the reality of the live sporting event. Whereas me watching this, it being a live event takes away from what it could be as a professional wrestling television program. Yeah, I am very much in your camp in the idea that this is especially now when you can't have audiences, this is a wrestling television program. And the live sporting event atmosphere, veneer thing that we put over this thing called wrestling, I, it is stripped away for right now. Uh, and we've seen workable models of this. I have no problem with the flashbacks, but the flashbacks also have a historical root in WWE storytelling. Like this goes back to The Undertaker and Kane when they were building up to their not very good wrestling wrestling match at WrestleMania. They had that awesome video package that recapped the year of feud between The Undertaker and Kane. Like WrestleMania is it, it, beyond all of the COVID nineteen stuff. WrestleMania is supposed to be about long stories. And so I, I don't have a problem at all with the idea of using flashbacks and trying to connect the dots to make this feel deeper. Right. My, my issue is I don't care how you do it. I really don't. I just want it to be good. And for me, the live aspect of it is it's negligible if it's not any good. It's like Saturday Night Live. The live aspect of it was supposed to, ooh, it's supposed to be dangerous and anything can happen. And it's so boiled down to its essence and everybody knows how to read cue cards on there. And, they're, you know, it's very rare. Well, rawness is not really encouraged on Saturday Night Live anymore. You're no, not they, really expected to get raw. Right, but at the same time, they also 
they do this for for WWE where anything can happen in the world wrestling. You remember that entire ad campaign? That was part of the watching Raw live means anything can happen and oh oh surprises and shocks and things could go wrong and oh that that doesn't exist in this WWE. Everything is is planned down to the second, so you don't really need it. I I would just go into more of the planning and just you know, tape and edit things and put it on TV and just make sure it's quality professional wrestling build. I think a big thing that WWE needs to move away from that you you do see on the AEW side is pare down the entrances. Do an entrance that fits the scale of the room. Like some of these WWE performers are still coming out and doing like the big arena full of people crowd style work. entrance. Yeah. <laughs> and crowd work. And it comes off as really goofy. I, I think, you know, music's playing, come down, be in your mood, but you don't have to hit all of your beats. And when you get to the ring, you don't have to do this pose and that pose. Yeah. I, I think, you know, stripping it down a little bit would help make these shows feel more intimate. I, I don't, like, I'm not someone who believes that wrestling needs to have an audience for every show. Obviously, you have to have audiences at certain points. But there's a place for this kind of, like, studio wrestling thing or, like, an interview-style show with maybe some matches or something going on interspersed inside of the show. Like, there's a place for this format. But WWE is still – it's like they can't get their brains out of – the arena mode a little bit better this week moving the hard camera going into the performance center not lighting the whole house like they're making steps in that direction but they're still very much in a mode with these shows where it's like you want the audience to be there or it's you feel the audience's absence right and i think um i think aew suffers from the same thing that that uh the cutaway to the trailer or wherever they had like six people in there, including Dasha, you know, yelling and betting on matches and stuff that just got annoying after a while. I just wanted them. Okay. We get it. People are watching this and are excited. You don't need to tell us, you know, it just got annoying after a while. Let's, let's hit AEW before we move on to the WWE stuff. Um, yeah. So I, I disagree with you a little bit on that. I, I get where you're coming from to where it got annoying or it stopped being evaluated, but I do think that initially it was evaluated. The problem was that they weren't really telling much of a story with everyone in the trailer. I think what needs to be happening with everyone in the trailer is there needs to be a, a bit more of a narrative arc, but yeah, let's, let's get into AEW. I liked the show overall. I liked Cody and Tony as a, as a, as a commentary team quite a bit cody's great yeah no cody's cody is good at calling the spots making sure that the appropriate amount of intensity or like emphasis is given to like why do this arm hold why do that i liked the darby allen sting comp too that kind of lets you a little bit into cody's thinking about the booking here i loved the entire discussion about the fuller leg lock the gibson leg lock and and what is it the last supper that he calls it I, yeah, I, I, yeah. I no, I love all that stuff. Yeah, and for your your fandom, of course, the uh, the Star Trek captain talk. I thought well, it made me laugh because if if we don't bring it up here that much, but Chris has been doing a rewatch of Star Trek: The Next Generation, and <laughs> oh, we're on the Voyager now. Oh, I, the Voyager? I now have yeah, no. So I have done since like the start of this year. I have done the entirety of Next Generation, all of Deep Space Nine. And we're now into Voyager. I got a little skip happy here because the problem with Voyager is that Voyager gets a little sitcom-y. Like, they don't have steady plot art. So, of the three, my favorite is Deep Space Nine. But if we're getting into Trek talk here, Jeff, I, I got to go off here. So, if you're going to really do Deep Space Nine, though, you've got to watch Next Gen because Next Gen sets up all the Klingon stuff. The Klingon stuff is important. Um, but But Deep Space Nine has the long sprawling story arcs you get the different characters and then we get into the captains here so who's the best captain this is really this is really the key question right the question of the week and cisco is my favorite character but cody brings up a fantastic point he was largely a commander until they got the defiant if you think of cisco he's yes he wanted to be a captain he liked being the captain of a starship but he really found his calling as 
you know, the commander on Deep Space Nine, and the Defiant is was something of an adjunct for him. So then we get really down to Picard and Janeway, and here's where I'm going to upset everyone. Clearly, the better captain of the two is Janeway, and here's why. Picard has one key wrinkle. Great captain, both great captains. If you had, if you just put them objectively, you have two great captains, but one has a critical flaw that is noted by the captain himself. He's aloof. Picard doesn't make the connections to his crew the same way that Janeway does. And for that reason alone, she's a superior captain because on all the other merits in terms of, you know, coolness under fire, her ability to handle herself, like, you know, all, all the kind of composure merits that you'd say about a captain. Um, yeah, Picard's great at all those things. But his inability to connect to people like Geordi, um, even to a certain extent, Worf, like he only really had a strong bond with Deanna and also, of course, uh, Will Riker. And so and for that reason alone, I, I got to say, Janeway, is the best captain. Oh, and Kirk, you're probably thinking about Kirk. Kirk's a walking biohazard. James Kirk is the reason why Starfleet had to make the code for interspecies relationships three centimeters thick. Thank you very much. Because that guy was going to commingling with all of these different species and bringing who knows what back to Earth. There's probably a James Kirk disease, Jeff. Has this been your TED Talk? <laughs> Thank you for attending my TED Talk. Uh, you know what? That's even more than they have on AEW. <laughs> oh, I've got um, takes. We, have, we haven't even no. gotten into how I feel about Deep Space Nine. No, we, we, we'll save it for another day. Oh, God. Voices of Star Trek coming soon. <laughs> you and uh, who's, who else is a Trek fan on the Voices of Wrestling Network that we can get you a show for? I, I will do an episode-by-episode episode walk uh, of Trek. That will keep us tied up for, like, the next several years. Uh, I, I will never leave my house again. Um, just, just to clean up the, uh, the AEW talk, what did you think of the Brody Lee character? The, uh, oh, actually, there's two more things. Um, the, to me, it's a little too – look, I, I get meta – parts of talking about people in power have been a part of wrestling since the 80s pretty much with different gimmicks being dusty roads and different gimmicks being vince mcmahon i'm just not sure this one's hitting yeah i mean i think he's supposed to be vince mcmahon but i i think if you don't know all this inside baseball stuff about vince with stakes and sneezing and stuff like, what do you make of this Brody Lee character? If you're trying to get uh, who we refer to generously as the normies to watch something like AEW, what do they make of the Brody Lee character? I think this is too inside baseball. I think you're exactly right on that. I think it's a little too inside baseball. And I, I also, the Matt Hardy, Chris Jericho <laughs> confrontation. That was horrible, Jeff. It was very bad. It was my worst vision of what it could be heightened actually. Cause I was, I was fearful they were just going to go hard into the old broken Matt Hardy character. And they did. And, but you know what, for, I, I don't know if I'm allowed to criticize it because I said they should be trying different things here. And they did try video editing in some ways. They did try, you know, cinematic. So stuff. I don't think the, arrival of matt hardy the the cut editing stuff i don't think that that was the problem the problem was the wcw 1992 Shockmaster reaction from cody and tony on commentary as they're trying to put this over um i i don't think that that really worked uh i think that jericho chewing scenery throughout all of this was a big problem too uh, you know the vanguard one promo goes on forever and like it's ridiculous and Jericho just goes he always he he has the same sort of instincts that Hunter has with comedy where like he breaks the fourth wall and it's kind of funny but it also is at the expense of the scene sometimes and, and that was definitely happening and then Jericho and Hardy just simply didn't have any material when they finally encounter each other it's just Matt Hardy going, the box of youth. And Jericho going, you need to join the inner circle, buddy. Uh, and, like, there is no real 
there was no fire there. And it went on forever. I tapped out. I, I couldn't even make it all the way through. I, I started and I was willing to go with it. And I tried to keep an open mind, but it was just so poorly executed. And, and what's important here, Jeff, is that it wasn't live. They had a chance to take beats and stop and pause and go, that didn't really work. They could have, you know, said, hey, Chris, can we try a different take of this where you're like a little more serious about encountering Matt Hardy or a little more taken aback or scared of Matt Hardy or something like that? Because I don't, I don't think this is really connecting, and, and I don't think it's a good testament to their instincts that um, no one said, how let's stop and let's take another take at this. Yeah, I, I agree with you right there. I, I just, I, it was everything I don't want in a main event. Profe- that, that's everything in a mid-card type of program where you're trying to like cleanse the palate a bit of the super seriousness elsewhere. But that's not what I want in the main event angle. I don't want Matt Hardy talking fu- with his weird, funny, faux British accent saying words incorrectly to Chris Jericho building up a two-cage death match i just it, it just zany chris jericho mm-hmm. who came out and still got his song over this week yet again yeah that's uh that's gonna be an uh it's gonna be an ongoing bit isn't it uh i think it's a real problem i i, I know that people like the song i get that it's a popular and catchy song but for your main event top heel to have his theme song be the most over theme song in the company by leaps and bounds it's like Jericho's theme on a scale of 10 is 10 and Darby Allen's theme, which I think would maybe be the next closest is probably a seven, maybe a six. I don't know how you're going to make Darby Allen the next sting when, when, when everyone's singing Jericho's theme during that moment, I, I it's, it, it creates unnecessary roadblocks. They're going to have to baby him eventually. They're, they're just obviously it, it's going to have to happen sooner than later because of this thing. Because otherwise, Otherwise, it just becomes, you know, we're ironically booing heels as opposed to really hating these people. Whereas people like Hager and even Guevara, who <laughs> I love, I love his flakiness. I loved the entire Brandy caricature bit with her just looking disgusted. I mean, that's. Oh, that was so funny. Like, that was actually very, very funny. And I thought that the main event was really well worked. I, I agree. Um, so we're now we're going to get into the part where, where we have changes and things like that. If you don't want to hear it, you may want to skip ahead a bit, but uh, we're not going to spoil any match endings because I don't know any of the match endings. I just know what happened. Coronavirus has now taken a toll on the WrestleMania card. Roman Reigns off the main event, it turns out. Um, pulled himself away because The Miz showed up to tapings under the weather, which got a bit of heat from the Usos as well. Roman Reigns famously having fought leukemia for the last year and a half, still fighting it in many ways and his immune system, probably very damaged from the fight, uh, pulled himself off the card. Uh, any thoughts, Chris? I think that Roman Reigns is being really smart right now. I think if Roman Reigns needs to take a break from wrestling until he feels 100% about his health, that might be well advised. Being a professional wrestler puts you in a lot of contact with a lot of individuals. And until we have a real sense of, you know, COVID-19, how long are we going to be dealing with it? Where are we in terms of getting a vaccine? A lot of this stuff for someone with a compromised immune system are factors that you need to be considering very heavily because a battle with COVID-19, if you've if you are immunocompromised is not a sure thing at all. And I, you know, I would hate to see Roman Reigns have to turn around and have a, you know, a prolonged battle with COVID-19 after fighting off leukemia. I think this guy is wise to step away for a while if he chooses to do so. The Miz also off the card. Uh, It looks like that Morrison and one of the Usos will do a ladder match one-on-one. For the tag team titles earlier in the week, Rey Mysterio and Dana Brooke were in quarantine with symptoms. That's why Dana Brooke was taken off of the six-pack challenge for the SmackDown women's title. Um, also, an injury, late injury scratch, according to Dave Meltzer of the Wrestling Observer, Andrade, not involved in the Raw tag team title match, replaced by Austin Theory as 
Angel Garza's tag team partner, which makes him losing on Wednesday night absolutely even more baffling to me. I, I get that Austin Theory was probably local to wherever they are, but I, I still think you shouldn't have had him lose on Wednesday, especially after calling a guy washed up. I just think that's bad booking. Yeah, it's funny because I liked the match on Wednesday against Breeze with maybe one slight exception of I would have had Breeze you know, really kind of rub it in his face a little bit so that eventually Austin Theory gets the W back. And I do kind of think, you know, ultimately Austin Theory, the heel will prevail here long term. And also Vince has made it kind of clear that he doesn't really care what's happening down in NXT. And he's not concerned about harmonizing those two storylines. Oh, you want to hear about not caring? How about this? Uh, they did tape the other matches. They've taped uh, <laughs> Gulak, <laughs> Drew McIntyre. and I'll take Drew Gulak and Brock Lesnar every day. But Drew McIntyre and, and Brock Lesnar. Uh, they t- a uh, Firefly Funhouse between Cena and Bray Wyatt. And Chris, a Boneyard match. AKA, I believe, a graveyard match between The Undertaker and AJ Styles. Can we not have the death motif while we're in the middle of a pandemic, please? And I feel like Boneyard was chosen because they were worried that Graveyard <laughs> would be too on the nose. And they thought somehow Boneyard would take the edge off of it. As you know, though Boneyard is, yeah. You know, guys. <laughs> Calling it a graveyard match might be a bit much. Maybe. (laughs) The way this company has thought through COVID-19, if wrestling was more relevant, would be like a national scandal. But wrestling is so niche right now that, you know, it's not really getting the attention it deserves for how boneheaded, uh, no pun intended, the thought process has been through WrestleMania. I am, I am fascinated to see if they actually do a match in a graveyard or if they do it like in a junkyard and call it a boneyard or if they do some hybrid graveyard junkyard thing. It's not really a graveyard because see, there's cars all around. So it's really, it's a boneyard. Yeah, cars, a junkyard, which is known for its <laughs> sanitary nature, Jeff. <laughs> You kind of combine the graveyard with a place that has a lot of germs. Uh, no, this is it's a very on-the-nose sort of match. Oh, the sad thing is, though, that, you know, they've been I, – I haven't minded them showing these old matches to build up these new feuds. I think it's been – I just think it makes good. for unwatchable TV, though. Like, I don't like watching these shows. Uh, they're draggy, especially when we get to the old, the old news. I, I feel like I'm reading yesterday's newspaper. See, I'm, I'm kind of the opposite because I just, I don't feel, look, I've always felt that matches don't get people over. I, I think, I think they're to build the feuds that you know, I, I think talking and angles and things like that get you over. I don't think actual matches, unless they mean something, get you over. So finishes these- get you over too. I, yeah. I think it's talking and then match finishes. Do you have a big spirited finish to a match that's really memorable? And is the celebration really memorable? Like those moments do get you over, but I, I'm with you. Right. So all these empty arena matches just have done nothing for me. Um, but let's go into some of the nuts and bolts of the main roster. I think Shayna Baszler's in trouble. I, I just, that, that entire segment, it, you could just, from an acting perspective, you could see her trying to remember her lines. And I just think it took away her natural intensity. And, and I, just, I just thought that was a miss all the way around. Yeah, the main roster is sort of littered with this recurring problem of over-scripting these things. I, I think you've, when there is no audience there and it's not not time to kind of written and paced out for crowd working. You really feel the stockness and the staleness and the boxiness of a lot of the WWE language. And Vince is super fond of micromanaging phrases and micromanaging lines. And yeah, Baszler's promo here just really, it didn't sound like her. And, and she wasn't able to really kind of be herself. She just needs to cut a promo on Becky Lynch. This isn't that hard. Yeah, and the and the Kevin Owens and and Seth Rollins thing, I think was good. It just it it, 
it had all the drama of a community theater production in a dress rehearsal. That, I mean, that's what it looked like to me. It's like, oh, as I look around this place, I never went to the performance center. I'm like, okay, really? We're, we're doing this? It didn't feel like they were talking to each other. It felt like they were talking at one another. And it just, it just looked ridiculous to stand there in silence as someone monologues and monologues in an empty building instead of yelling back at him. It, it was just ridiculous. Yeah, the whole choosing to frame this feud around the Performance Center and 2011 NXT and things of that sort. Uh, again, a very sort of Vincey kind of move here. And I think it'd be better off if they just didn't like each other. I, they're, they're overthinking in this moment. And uh, you can feel it in these promos. For stuff I did like, SmackDown. Everything about that Asuka, Alexa Bliss, Nikki Cross, and Michael Cole segment, it's Hall of Fame worthy to me. I howled, I laughed, I liked the match, I liked old, old rubber faces back, me likey Alexa Bliss and her, and her facial gesticulations. Asuka's half past crazy. Nikki Cross is making Michael Cole corpse because she's cheering too hard. I adored everything about this, Chris. Yeah, I'm not as warm on Nikki Cross as you are. I, I thought that it was a bit uh, overwhelming and it kind was. of unpleasant. Yeah, at times. Um, and her, I don't love this character at all. The match with Asuka and Alexa, I thought was good. I liked the arm selling that Alexa was doing. And I, I liked when they moved to the outside. I, Alexa's found a nice little match style for herself here, working as a heel who's a baby face, but will eventually be a heel again. Like still ha using some of like those kind of heelish tactics, shoving people up against the ring and stuff. I, I, I liked the match. Um, I really liked the line at the end of the match when Nikki cross was trying to like add stakes onto this. And then Michael Cole goes, yeah, they're definitely now in the driver's seat for a future opportunity at a title shot. <laughs> Championship opportunity for a title shot somewhere down the road. Perhaps not WrestleMania, even though it's too big to be on one night and it's two nights. I just... <laughs> that was amazing. <laughs> like it, it, That's, like, for me, what SmackDown has been good for, it, where I've actually been, like, amused and enjoying myself watching it is, like, the little throwaway lines. Like, Elias talking about the capacity crowd here. At, at the performance center like like that got me howling too what wait now what did you think of elias by way of lucha underground there falling off the, falling off the tower same tower that johnny gargano got uh <laughs> got slammed off of by champa but but elias is not going to take that bump yeah, I, I mean, I have no problem with them doing the cut edit if that's what you're asking. Like, that's I think if you are in a studio do studio work and, and use the cut editing to your advantage. I don't have a problem with that. Uh, the Baron Corbin Elias feud is a feud I could not care about. I don't find Elias's guitar playing gimmick to be particularly funny at this point because, like, he doesn't, he's doing the same sloppy guitar playing it would be funny if he was coming out every week and like mangling stuff and trying like trying new licks and they were all bad like there's a way to do the guitar thing and it's very funny but like all he does now is a minor e minor c g d e7 uh same stuff and then the songs that are written for him aren't particularly funny because it's all like baron corbin smells like farts you know all right there's not to this feud. I, I you like the Baron Corbin guy character more than I do. No, King Corbin. Don't how dare you, sir! I, <laughs> I have been slighted. I have been slandered on my own program. How dare you, sir! Uh, I, I look. I, I just, I, I just think Baron Corbin. He never progresses. That's my issue with him. I think the, I think the character is annoying enough and makes me angry enough to boo him. I just wish he'd do something other than what he's been doing since the entire Shorty G feud. I, I don't see that happening. I, I do, on the other hand, want to posit that a three-person booth of either Nikki or Io Shirai 
Michael Cole and Asuka, I, I, I would pay an extra dollar a month for that on the WWE Network. I mean, <laughs> I like the idea of having different wrestlers come out and do stuff on commentary. Here's like the merits of the Nikki Cross thing, even if you think it's chaos. It distracts you from the fact that there's no audience. Yeah. Much in the same way that cutting to the trailer in AEW has some of the same effect, I think that's a good thing. Um, I think the absence of the audience allows for some more space to be filled by another energy so you can have managers doing more stuff on the outside, someone on commentary. There's ways to tell these stories where you're not as – you don't miss the audience as much because there's additional action being provided or additional energy being provided by another party. I agree. I, I also just like straight-laced Michael Cole getting thrown off his game. I think that's what really entertained me about the Nikki part. I, I understand. I agree. I agree. And that it. creates it, the it chaotic element, too. It is overbearing. I, I will fully grant you that. But at the same time, she's so overbearing, it's even throwing off the people who know it's going to be overbearing. I love it. I don't think she needs to be making light of like the hugging. Like, you know what I mean? Like that, that was the one thing I'd rather let's not revisit. Okay. No, I, 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 yeah, I, I, yeah. Any, any jokes about social distancing I can do without at this point. So do we want to go NXT or NXT UK here? Unless you have something else from the main roster that was, uh, that tickled your fancy or funny, but, Oh, I know what Otis. I like this program. I do. I'm not going to lie. I'm, I'm interested to see because it looks like they're going to do the fight for Mandy's honor type of thing. And boy, it just feels like to but me. But why that... is he fighting for her honor when oh. she's been not cool? Yeah, I, it, it's going to go one of two ways. Either Mandy's going to interfere on behalf of one of them or it's going to be that swerve and she goes back with uh, – uh, oh God, why am I blanking on a name all of a sudden? Um, her tag team. Buddy. Dolph Ziggler. No. Oh, uh, oh, uh, oh, oh, God. Yeah, that would be a total Vince move. Uh, Sonya Deville. Sonya Deville, because she's still part of this story and still, you know, kind of team Dolphing it here. So yeah, I could see them swerving everybody, and I am not your prize because they made the she made the line, "I am not a prize to be had" or something like that. And they'll look at that and go, "Look at this feminist storyline we're doing." Woohoo, look at us. Feminism all the way from the WWE. No, but they're going to turn her into a lesbian character. <laughs> That's where I think this is going. Now, now you've got to put that in the air. I, that is, I mean, we've seen Vince do this once in the last calendar year. All right, Sonya, you want <laughs> It's like, oh, no, no, Vince, no. Yeah, I, I completely. I'm still getting over the flying the mallets on a private jet while the <laughs> Bludgeon Brothers are on a commercial plane story. Like, my God. <laughs> Gimmick integrity is the most important part of world wrestling entertainment. It's what puts smiles on people's faces, damn it. And if you're not going to get with the program, Chris Novembrino, you're fired. <laughs> Listen to me, Jeff. The Bludgeon Brothers. What's the most over element of the Bludgeon Brothers? The Bludgeon. It's not <laughs> the, the hammer. People want to see the hammer. I could give the hammer to anyone. It doesn't have to be Rowan and Harper. It could be two guys from NXT. The hammers are what's over. <laughs> Speaking of just two guys from NXT, we finally got the debut of one Malcolm Bivens, stoked for Stokely Hathaway being on weekly television. Bad news is it looks like his tag team aren't quite ready for prime time, but it is a, <laughs> it's a trope in wrestling to bring up two guys in a, in a foreign type gimmick and give them a spokes piece before they're even ready to be on television. So why not? I, you know, I, I like Malcolm. So I'm, I'm hoping for the best for him here. Yeah, no, I, I think that this guy deserves an opportunity uh, is going to carry the ball if it's given to him. And I just hope that they give him some really good material to sink his teeth into because he's shown time and again that he's capable of doing so. Yeah, if you're not following him on social media, you are missing out on. Oh no, he's a hoot and a holler comedy. on social media. Yeah, that, that's what I'm referring to. Is the guy had what limited platform he's given? He always crushes it on. So give him a bigger stage. 
Uh, Chris, remind me here, because I don't have results in front of me right just yet in terms of NXT television. Uh, who is the guy? He debuts, and he's basically debuting the same gimmick as Isaiah Swerve Scott. Tahuti Miles. No, his name is Tahuti Miles. And, and so I went from like, at first he comes out. So he gets to come in second. Killian Dane's in the ring. And Tahuti Miles comes out and he does like the little chin stroke thing, which as you mentioned correctly, is kind of a Swerve Scott thing. But at first, I love seeing the debuting guy come out and just size up his competition. It's someone we know is formidable. But then he kept doing it, and then he kept doing the thing that I was complaining about earlier in the show where he was, like, playing like the arena was huge and there were tons of people and doing the entrance that he was taught to do, and then the match was, uh, yikes. This was his final exam from whatever class he, he's in at the Performance Center. It's okay. You got to go out there and do this match, but you got to do it like there's actually people out there. Now, how would you react if there was a crowd full of people and this was your first time on television and you had to size up Killian Dane? <laughs> I just, again, the you first know, six, seven seconds were great. And then we just went right off the cliff. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And then I kind of tuned out for it. Um, <laughs> I just couldn't believe they did that. Uh, we have five of our six ladies in the ladder match now. Candice LeRae joining the fray. And also, <laughs> I got to tell you, the look on Aaliyah's face when Io Shirai came out was amazing. I, I know, look, people slam Aaliyah all the time. She's not the best performer in the world, but she has something in terms of acting ability that a lot of the women don't have. And Io Shirai just being crazy sauce, um, always love her. But literally just throwing a temper tantrum. What do you mean I got to fight Io Shirai? Yeah, no, because, you know, she, she had this great plan. You know, oh, I, I get to just win now. I can just walk this. Yeah. Uh, oh, we are so blessed because next week, gauntlet match with all of the losers of the qualifying matches. <laughs> Shotzi Blackheart, Deanna Perrazzo. Uh, Zia Lee, Aaliyah, uh, Lacey Lane, or, um, uh, uh, oh, what's her name now? Um, oh I God, was, I don't remember. Caden Carter. Caden Carter. Thank you. And, uh, Dakota Kai. I fully expect Dakota Kai to win this via Raquel Gonzalez interference in some way and get into the ladder. Match. Yeah, I, I think it comes down to Kai and Carter and you're, you nailed it. Raquel Gonzalez comes in and interferes and that sets up things. And we maybe eventually build like a Caden Carter, Dakota Kai, like mini feud of some sort out coming out of this. But uh, yeah, Zylie is going to show up. She's going to be injured. And so she's not, she'll have like a nice initial showing and maybe a Leo get a win there or something like that. But yeah, that I think that this plays out the way you say. Dakota Kai wins. Oh, Chris, I had a major faux pas because I thought I thought it was a ladder match to get into the ladder match. And I was here for Shotzi, Aaliyah, and Zia Lee all being in a ladder match. I was here for that. You just uh you want bad things to happen to good people. I don't I don't know what it is about you. <laughs> it makes me a horrible human being. Um I liked the uh, main event segment on NXT. I, 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 liked, um, I liked the build for the feud. I just liked Johnny Gargano Simple. No, I'm not ready yet. Give me two weeks. I'm like, cool. There we go. <laughs> it's such a simple heel move. I just got hurt by your baby face. Let me come in at full strength. I mean, it's, yeah, it's scenery chewing. Yeah, it's Triple H putting himself over at the expense kind of, of Ciampa and Gargano. But overall, there was a nice intensity to it. Yeah, yeah, I think it's fine. I, I'm not, you know, it, it, Gargano Ciampa has limited interest to me as a story because we did it so much. And as like an I, empty arena match, it had, I mean. And as a, yeah, have, I just, they've done every step in the book, it feels like, and they did it all well, but I, I'm just ready to move on from this feud. The problem here is we're going to have fatigue from these taped type of matches after watching a funhouse match and a boneyard match and, and whatever the hell they decide to do for, for Brock and drew, because you know, that's not going to be a straight ahead match at all. 
and they're going to be using all these filming things. And then we're going to get back to Gargano and Champa, and we're going to have this brawl inside whatever warehouse they decide to rent out for this thing. And it's going to be filmed just like these WrestleMania matches. And it's going to be coming the Wednesday after people have watched two four hour nights of wrestling, supposedly, if they're, you know, if they're a WWE fan. I just don't have high hopes for it. No, I completely agree. I think the clear problem with this salvage operation with WrestleMania is that there's not going to be a lot of in-ring fundamental wrestling. And they're trying so hard to hide behind these, like, open room stip matches. You know, what is the difference between a funhouse match and a boneyard match? I mean, I, you know, in a boneyard, you got to probably get buried, right? Like, like that's probably the st- – but, but are they even going to do that? I, you know, I, who knows? Um, in the funhouse, I'm guessing it's still pinfall or submission gets you the victory. Um, and in this empty arena match, I'm guessing it's still pinfall or submission gets you the victory. Visually, I think what would be the best is just a low lights, two guys really going at and squaring off and having like a 25 minute singles match that was, you know, gritty and, you know, hard worked. Agreed. I'm, I'm, I think there's going to be a lot of the, uh, there's going to be a lot of set pieces, though. I, 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 they just can't help themselves with the set pieces during a Gargano Champa match. So I think we're going no, to- I, I, no, I agree. I, I, I don't think they can. Um, I, I just think that that's going to be a problem on this car. They just need to do some. I, I get doing smoke and mirrors to kind of add a little more excitement. You know, make it not feel totally empty the whole show. But they need to make sure they don't forget about the wrestling. I gotta be honest. I thought Byron Saxton was pretty good on commentary. I, I do. I, I mean, for, for the job he was put into, he didn't do a half bad job here. He, yeah, he had some of the WWE verbiage that he had to do, but um, getting emotion in there, I, I thought he did a good job for an empty arena match. Yeah, I like Byron. Uh, I think Byron, he, he's shown that he can do different roles. He gets the characters, and yeah, he's a WWE speaking product, and that comes with verbiage and nomenclature, especially with those young guys who don't feel like they have a really secure position like a Michael Cole does. Um, those young guys, you know, like they, they don't play it um, as loose as they do over on NXT UK. I think NXT UK's commentary is great. Like I, I that commentary that- team has, has nailed it. I love Nigel's way of being a fairly objective announcer, but having a clear bias towards the heels. I think he's much more in his element in NXT UK. I, I, I think he's he's able to play it a little bit more heelish, which I think he obviously enjoys. I think the NXT UK guy, I, I don't know the play-by-play guy's name offhand. I'm going to have to- But he's a great that. compliment, and I love his energy. And he's very straight-laced. He plays it very, very straight, but not uh, not Captain Whitebread straight. He's he's just, he's at, he actually feels like, a human being calling this match who's excited to call this match as opposed to uh, Vic Vic was good here, but you could just tell it was a little too overproduced by Michael Cole, so to speak. And I don't think, uh, I don't think there's as much hands on here for, uh, no, I think they're just letting those two guys run. Um, they, they obviously have a script. I'm sure Nigel is kind of, you know, helping lead along play by play guy, but, yeah, I, it, you get very much the vibe that those two guys have been given very limited direction as to what they need to do on commentary during the hour. And I just think it makes it makes the commentary exciting. It helps carry sometimes subpar action. <laughs> Who are you to doubt the team of Oliver Miller? <laughs> oh, oh I come can't. on. Get, get the sentence out. Get the sentence out. I'll feel out. better I about life. I can't get it out because – I just called him Oliver Miller, who was a center for the Phoenix Suns. Uh, <laughs> oh, what, what tickled your funny bone on NXT UK this week, Chris? Well, I liked the Jordan Devlin match a lot. I, I actually, I mean, like, it was, it was the right style of match for what the setup was, except for the finish, which I thought was stupid. Um, he has the bridging pin for the better part of two seconds and only grabs the rope in the final second. Like he didn't yeah. really need the rope to win. And and I would have, if you're going to have him do a cheat to win finish, fine finish, 
he should do a cheat to win finish where the cheating actually helps him. Uh, agreed. Um, <laughs> the Nina Samuels match versus Valkyrie. I I'm just not on this Valkyrie character. Yeah, she does nothing for me. I, I find myself ironically cheering for Nina like some mm-hmm. other people do in the crowd. Too too many too many of the and you can tell this is performance center one oh one doing her little hand signal where she's like framing her face and stuff just over and over again. I was just like, uh, here we go. Um Yeah, I, I think the main event was really the only thing that really did for me, other than the backstage segment with uh, pretty deadly. <laughs> I yeah no that, that that was great i i, I like them i i like uh i like that they're getting a little bit of screen time now I, I like their little the vibe that they're throwing off oh no come on guys oh it's just a joke just a joke yeah you guys are great you guys are great that, that no, is I, I like that it. is such a trope of the the tag team that just be ha- happens to be within earshot <laughs> talking to each other while someone's trying to do an interview i you know there are times it works and times it doesn't. That one it worked. I liked the Gallus vignette, although <laughs> a little too Reservoir Dogs with the uh, with the cam going in circles around the table as everybody talked. I was getting a little dizzy at that one. Yeah, but they they do kind of like doing those homages to those type of movies, and I I don't mind if the Gallus universe, like whenever they do their vignettes, is kind of like a send up of. Uh, you know, Boondock Sangs or Reservoir Dogs or any of those type of kind of gritty movie snatch. I like that. I think that fits their characters. So the through line of this show was that there's going to be a battle royale next week, I believe, on TV for the number one contender to Walter's NXT UK title. I did like some of the vignettes. I especially loved the Cassius Ono one. Um, you know, Noam Dar beating a kid. I, I just, this is... I don't know if I really like or really hate Noam Dar at this point. I really don't because it's always the same for me. Right, right. And it seems really weird to have him beating A-Kid because A-Kid sort of seems like the guy you would want to do something with. Noam Dar, I I hate to say it, but at least right now in this character, he sort of is what he is. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where I don't understand beating all your young up-and-comers. I just don't. They've been doing this on like every brand between Umberto and A Kid and Austin Theory. <laughs> they got to learn to work. They got they got to learn to lose, and then we'll build them back up, which is a ridiculous, ridiculous theory. Stop it. Fifty fifty gets nobody over. It's just A Kid's gonna come. A Kid's gonna eliminate Noam Dar from this battle royal. I guarantee it. Yeah, and they're gonna have another match. Uh, and that that the other problem for Gnome is that he gets in, into these prolonged multi-match feuds and like they don't they don't evolve or grow. Yeah, they don't. Um, pick a winner. I don't think I know this because I know I read the. Well, actually, I think I do know who wins this. But pick a winner here, Chris. Who's who's? Gonna I'm gonna win say the Bomber battle? Dave Mastiff. Okay. So who do you think it's gonna be? Well, see, I can't because I know who it is, I think. So oh, okay. I don't okay. Wanna, I, w- I don't want to do that, but I think uh, I, I'm, I'm happy with the pick. I'm just a little if, – if the match I read about was the match after the number one contender match, I'm a little disappointed. But other than that, I, I think people who watch NXT UK will be pleasantly surprised and happy with who they, who they decide to go with, um, if it's true. Oh, I guess they could go with Finn Balor. That would be the other one. They could. Uh, anything else in the world of WWE? Or we can make it a short day here, Chris, because we're using a new program, and I want to hear how this sounds. <laughs> yeah, sure. I, I don't know. Is there anything else on the WrestleMania card that we that changed that we haven't covered yet? Oh, we didn't. We didn't say who replaced Roman Reigns against Brock or against uh, Bill Goldberg, and that is Braun Strowman was put into his place, which is interesting to me. I. I think this will probably end up being a very short heavyweight title match. I wonder if it goes to like a no finish sort of thing. You think and they're maybe just they redo they, it. They find a way out of it. Um, and like, yeah, just, just have someone 
interrupt the match, and that's who Goldberg ultimately goes and faces at SummerSlam oh. or whenever they yeah, whenever they here, feel here good. Here we go. The artist collective come out and all get speared by Goldberg. That would be interesting. There you go. There you go. Oh, that's what we didn't go over. The I again another great week for Daniel Bryan and his fantasy wrestling uh <laughs> collective. I I love everything about this program they're doing. I don't want them to ever break up Gulak and 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 Daniel Bryan for another year, year and a half, please. Let them all stay together. And I love Shinsuke, Cesaro, and Sammy in this. It's such a great – you can just tell everybody's kind of having fun with it. Yeah, no, uh, I, the Cesaro is always great as the guy talking slightly off microphone and adding in his two cents. I, I find that he, he always cracks me up in that role. I liked the little Nagata tribute that uh, they did as well. Gulak uh, and like- Daniel Bryan. I also like every time Cesaro talks now, he has to have a little bit of a speech impediment as a throwback to when he crushed his teeth on the, on the turnbuckle post and had to get major jaw surgery. So he either has to take out his mouthpiece or put it in before he starts talking. I, that's always one of those sweet continuity little things that I really like. Yeah, no, I, I really enjoyed that. I, I still miss uh, when him and Tyson Kidd were a tag team and did all the uh, mm-hmm. clapping and the fact stuff. Like, they, they really had it down. It's my favorite gif. It's <laughs> them clapping and saying fact. I absolutely love that thing. Uh, well, we're going to wrap it up here. We hope you all are staying safe and staying quarantined and doing all the things you should be doing. We're not going to gloss over this. I'm a little scared, to be honest. But you can follow me at Twitter and all my nonsense at CrapGame13. You can follow Chris at Chris Novembrino. You can follow the show at Shake Them Ropes. Make sure you download all the Voices of Wrestling content on their super feed, the flagship. All of it. Every single show. Music of the Mat. Omakaze, which is going to be on a break, because I believe John, unfortunately, may have some symptoms and is recovering. So keep him in your prayers. Uh, Sarah and Sarah, just just whatever, whatever weird wrestling thing you like, we probably have a show for it. So we we don't we don't encourage our hosts enough. Um, so go to Voices of Wrestling, go to the website, and uh, and join in the conversation there. Chris, what other things are you doing during this? I'm not going to say downtime because I have no downtime. Yeah, no, I actually, I, I'm very fortunate right now. Um, I have a job where I'm able to work from home, but uh, we have had to kind of massively restructure the business. So like it is ended up being busy yet confined at the same time. I'm someone who likes being at my house, but uh, it, it, I mean, you know, the walls, even with the upstairs and downstairs, get a little small right now, getting just a smidge small. Um, but you can find my other shows. Don't worry about the government. Don't worry.tv is where you can find that. You can also find that on iTunes and Stitcher by searching for don't worry about the government. The other show, if you want to watch all in the family, like if you're looking for a show to binge, you know, all in the family, you, you could pick worse shows to sit down and watch and kind of sink your teeth into all in the family is a hell of a show. And I did a podcast about it. It's called the all in the family podcast. We'll be back um, with more episodes at some point here. I'm sure I'll link up with Lindsay. Uh, Trek talk is uh in in the works jeff uh i I don't know when that's coming out uh but look for that on fine podcast outlets and uh yeah go and listen to don't worry about the government until then and by worse shows he means friends Uh, yeah